our uh, You Complete Me series ends today with Affair Proofing Your Marriage. And we're going to obviously continue on with this. This message, this series has been percolating in our hearts since our pastoral team um, formatted this series many, many weeks ago. Um, and if you missed either of the last two Sundays, I just really encourage you to go to eaglemontchurch.ca and listen online and, and, and catch up a little bit on that. Just some great teaching from Dr. Simon Shea and then Pastor Joel. And just so you know, these message slides, as they always are, available to you. Uh, if you want to capture the scripture verses and the thoughts, uh, you can get those slides from us. Uh, just let us know. We, we recognize that not everyone is married, and so... You know, it doesn't keep us from touching on this important topic, though, for a variety of reasons. And, of course, the majority are married. Uh, some of you will be uh, getting married in the future, and so this teaching is important for you. Uh, but we also acknowledge that for some, the, the discussion, this very discussion, raises, uh, reminds you of the pain that, that's in your heart for, again, for a variety of reasons. And, and if that's the case, we... I, as I speak and as I was preparing, just thinking of you and praying God's strength, grace, and wholeness for you as we address this biblical topic. All of us who are married, including Miriam and myself, have times, seasons, days, of more protected times of challenge in our marriage, difficulties at times for different reasons. And, and, and if you ever think you're alone in that as a couple, and I talk to a lot of people, and they do often, that's this idea, I'm alone in this. I, I want to say to you, it is not true. You are not alone in the, in the marriage challenges that you face. But as I was preparing this message, I emailed a few couples in our church who've been married 40 years or more. And I, I asked them what they would list as some of the top things to contribute, that, that would contribute to this idea of affair-proofing your marriage as far as your, your part goes. And so throughout this message, I'll sprinkle in some of their input. And, but I thought I'd show you pictures of these seasoned Eaglemont couples. There's one that I don't have pictures for, but there, there's several that just gave some great input. And so here we have, first of all, the wedding picture and the actual picture of, some of you know, Wouter and, and Janice. Love it. This is going to be good. Mariah, you're going to get some wedding dress ideas here today. Okay, and then we have Claire and Lynn Duick. Love it. Oh, yeah, give them a hand for that. All of these people deserve a hand for giving me their wedding picture, don't they? And then we have Art and Irene Hickey. Yeah, classic. And, and one more from them, which is a really cool picture. Yeah. Nice. Nice T-shirts. And then, fresh back from a holiday, Manfred and Ursula. Nice. Sharp couples. And then Hans and Gab. Oh, I think we got. Do we have the next picture? There we go. It was alphabetically slip, uh, flipped. So Hans. Oh, it's, it's not Han. Add an S on that. Sorry, Hans. Uh, and Gabby Ryman. And then back to. Yeah, give them a hand. And then back to Bob and Sherry Shedler. Very nice. Awesome. So you'll, you'll be hearing from them this morning a little bit at times. And, and these couples are great examples of godly marriages in our church. So 
I want to thank you and others like you that have stuck with your commitment to your spouse. You're a, you're a great role model for others in this and younger folks in this church family. So valuable. Actually, one of those couples uh, gave this nugget of uh, uh, good wisdom. It said a man was speaking to his rabbi and said, I have this strong desire to live eternally. What am I supposed to do? Well, the rabbi said, well, get married. The man goes, what? That'll... It's simple as that. Will, will that allow me to live forever? And the rabbi says, well, well no, but the desire will disappear. <laughs> I usually don't like dissing marriages in a joke, but couldn't, I couldn't, uh, you know, not tell that. The, the big idea in this series, these three weeks, in this brief series, is uh, the You Complete Me series, is, is that our sense of feeling complete as a person comes from God, from who He says we are, from how He says we must live in all of our lives, and including our, our, our sexuality and our relationships. Pastor Joel gave excellent teaching on this last Sunday, and really, I, I urge you, if you missed it, please listen to it. Just phenomenal teaching on this topic last Sunday. You see, people can sometimes have the false idea uh, that Tom Cruise conveyed, dramatically expressed to Renee Zellweger's uh, character many years ago in that old movie, you complete me. And we all believe it. It's a lot of pressure on a spouse. Married people, you don't complete each other. Some go, what? Oh, you, yes, you complement each other, hopefully. But it's only God who completes us. And, and this is important because believing otherwise can lead to the lie that there's this, this, you know, some sense of fulfillment that I'm missing that must be experienced outside the marriage. That's deception that can lead to tragic outcomes. You, you know this, people don't go into, none of us went into marriage thinking, you know, that we're going to betray our spouse, and yet sometimes people fail to realize that without ongoing cultivation of the relationship, anyone is susceptible to choices that they may have never thought possible. In his book, Anatomy of an Affair, and I heard about the book in a recent Promise Keepers magazine, Seven magazine. And if you don't get that magazine, you should, uh, men. Anatomy of an Affair. Dave, Dave Carter, the, the author, warns against what, he warns against what he calls emotional and spiritual deficits that, that can be allowed to develop in our marriage relationship. And, and they are, these, these are vulnerabilities that can lead to heartbreak and they can lead to uh, drifting towards someone who is not your spouse, who seems to be taking an interest in you. And, and, and before people know it, the, the next step toward, toward danger is the, the orchestrating or the, the, the scheming of how I can be uh, with that person more and more. And often that you know, is under the guise of, well, we're just friends at work. Or they're just a caring person. Red flags should be raised. And then, and then they begin to save conversation topics for one another. For the, for the uh, after-meeting chat in the, in the lunchroom or the end-of-the-day walk to the parking lot. Carter makes the insightful comment. He says, those couples, now listen to this. 
Those couples whose affairs resulted in them getting married have a difficult time building and maintaining the trust, respect, and safety that they initially thought the affair would provide or the relationship would provide. It's a path that is the epitome of deception. It's very possible to keep these emotional and spiritual deficits from developing. And again, I encourage you to get the book, The Anatomy of an Affair. You might think that is the furthest thing from... I started reading it and I said, I, I think I commented to one of my family members that I, I wish I would have had that book years ago in, in, in pre-marriage counseling, preparation. This morning I will highlight five one-word reminders, takeaways that will contribute, I believe, to a fair-proofing your marriage and honoring God as you do. First word. First word. Jesus. Sounds pretty preschool, doesn't it? Sometimes I think what we need is a little preschool. Jesus in my marriage. Jesus in my life. Jesus guiding my mind. Jesus, uh, guarding my heart's passions. Jesus, Jesus. Loving Jesus first and loving him fully and surrendering to him completely is, my friends, it's the starting point and the foundation for a healthy and vibrant marriage. If you're a Christ follower, walking close to Jesus is fundamental to being the spouse that God wants you to be. Don't worry about how your spouse has changed. We all change. Be concerned about the kind of spouse that God wants you to be. And I'm saying that to Marlo right now. So how are you and Jesus getting along these days? Husbands, wives, engaged couples. Jesus wants to empower you to be someone who loves and honors God well by loving and honoring your spouse well. Priority one is daily living in close relationship with Jesus. And listen, friends, if, if that's foreign territory to you, and, and you don't even completely uh, understand from a biblical perspective what that means, I, I would love to dialogue with you and, and, and share with you some of what I see in Scripture and, and history of an experience in, in relation, uh, working with people in all kinds of relationships and many that I've been inspired by because their faith is strong and it shapes how they treat their spouse, which shapes how their relationship grows and deepens. It's awesome. I, I'd love to talk with you if that's new territory for you, what it means to, to walk with Jesus. Second word, Invest. Invest. Something that's worth committing to, to which we all did when we got married, is worth investing in. And no matter, no matter what investing in your marriage may look like for you, it takes commitment to do so. And that's what married love is, isn't it? That's what married love primarily is. More than an emotion, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. That's what love is. That very point is something that several of our Eaglemont couples, our seasoned Eaglemont couples, uh, wisely pointed out in their feedback. They said that we, we made a commitment to our spouse, but most importantly, we made that commitment to God. And, and, and remembering that every day through the difficult and the challenging times, especially as we remember that and hold to that. Hmm. The word divorce 
It's off the table. Never put on the table. It's wise. And so what does investing in your marriage look like specifically? It's not complicated. You can sit there right now and make your own list. And if you want to do that, that may, may even be more beneficial than the examples that I'll share. Do it. What for you and your spouse does investing in your marriage look like? Write the things that come to your mind. But some ideas. Again, some of our Eaglemont couples talked about continue. Oh, so simple, right? Continuing to date. And this even after decades of being married. I, I love to hear. Way to go. Way to go. How easy that this can be to get crowded out in life. And Miriam and I have gone through seasons where and we've said, you know, wow, look at our calendar, what it's been. The chaos of it the last number of weeks or months. We've got to date. We've got to go. We've got to spend some time together. We've got a rule <laughs> with varying degrees of success. But the rule is, and for you it'll be different things, but for us is no church talk. Anyway, some of you might, you know, no, no, no talk about the kids. Does that seem awkward to some of you? Don't feel guilty about that. It's a good thing at times. Continuing to date, that's investing in your marriage. Invest in your marriage by reading a good marriage book together this summer. The one I referenced a moment ago, The Anatomy of an Affair, or Love and Respect, or, I mean, there's a lot of good options. Third, invest in your marriage by nurturing a vibrant sex life, married couples. If you don't know it already, I mean, if you were here last Sunday, you know it, because Joel just unpacked this point so, again, so well. Sex is God's idea. Sex is a good gift from God. It is. And, and for some of you that went, well, really? Wow. Well, within the context and the safety of the commitment of marriage between a man and a woman, just as he created it in the beginning. He designed sex as one of the primary ways to experiencing, uh, deepening, to experience deepening intimacy in our marriage relationships. As a matter of fact, you can get a good book, biblical-based book on, on sex. Some of you are going, there's such a thing? Actually, Miriam has a really good recommendation. Talk to her after. <laughs> I'm only being serious. You know which one? Yeah, she does. I can see the smile in her face, actually. It's on her face, though. Something else that uh, some of our seasoned couples highlighted under investing in your marriage. This, this one is so complex. Have fun together. I don't know, for some of you, you're sitting here, right? When, when's the last time? Fun. We, we've lost that because of the stress of the demands of the kids and work and career and finances. And have fun together, they said. It's good. That's investing in your marriage. Re-engage with interests that you used to share if you drifted from those or cultivate new ones. Uh, another great way to invest in your marriage is to seek out a mentor couple. Now, finding a mentor um, is, is mostly on you. Uh, and it takes some work, commitment to, to find a connection. It means having some couples in the orbit of church life over for coffee and just chatting. No agenda. Oh, but there's a little bit of an agenda. Because you're watching, you're listening. Oh, that's a couple that we could learn from, honey. Let's, let's, let's take them out for coffee and dessert again in a few months. Yeah, probably want to share with them your intentions at some point. But um, very, very, I've seen couples do that. Very good. 
But there are couples in our church who have expressed a desire to help. And also some in our church who have been trained as marriage mentors with Family Life Canada. And if you want information about, about that, and we're not going to overstructure all of this, but, but, but talk to Pastor Joel if you're interested, especially younger couples. You know what I think would be really cool? I just thought of this. I wonder what it would be like for one of the couples that have been married a really long time to, to connect for that purpose, to be reverse mentored, because there is such a thing as reverse mentoring. Uh, by younger couples. That, that, that's a cool idea. And the, the point is we can all learn from one another, right? Third word, cherish. What does cherishing your spouse look like these days, married couples? Cherishing. After our, our wedding ceremony, we may, not, we may not think about the word cherish too much, which, which means missed opportunities. Because cherish is defined as showing affection and cultivating care. And so, I don't know, maybe it's just me in my head, I think of cherish and I think I'm comfortable with, 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 with me as a man cherishing my bride, but cherishing, does it feel like, is that, I don't know, I, I don't know what I'm saying here, but I'm getting myself into trouble, but, uh, it, but it is both ways to be cherished. Ah, you might use other words, to be valued, to be respected, to, right? But it's for the husband and the wife is what I'm trying to say. What a great thing to do in your marriage relationship that can so easily, our relationships, be, be taken for granted. To cherish, to truly cherish one another. Because to be, who, who of us would argue with, you know, uh, that being cherished feels good? It feels good, and yet sometimes to cherish uh, can feel like a chore, especially if, you know, we're in a, a, a relationship that's been neglected for some time. One of our Eaglemon couples, again, made the correct observation that there are, he, he put it this way, that there are seasons of heavy lifting in every relationship. When we need to deliberately, he said, exchange the angry list for the list entitled, Things I'm Thankful For in My Spouse. It's a pretty deliberate choice that at times need to be, all of us probably need to make at times. Exchange the angry list for the list that's entitled, Things I'm Thankful For in My Spouse. That's cherishing. Some of you have heard of the Love Dare book. The premise of that book is that intentionally showing love to your spouse in variety of tangible ways, even when, and especially when, you don't feel like it, is what can reignite a cold heart so that cherishing becomes vibrantly normal. There's a couple of books right here for the first two couples that grab them after church. Or now, if you're really brave. If you need that book, come and get it. Cherishing your spouse involves words and actions that communicate love, value, appreciation, and affection. And again, in the book, Anatomy of an Affair, the author talks about how marriages get in trouble when we stop doing what we used to do well. Right? Who of us haven't at times? He, he calls them uh, marital voids. And he says when, you're, when, you were, when you were engaged, no one had to tell you to affirm or express admiration to your fiancé, or to be affectionate with them. Sadly, he observes that many couples have stopped practicing these, even though it's what they used to do best. Think about where you're at right now, in that whole area. How is cherishing happening in your life? 
Gary Chapman writes about love languages, a discussion that's very helpful. And many of you are familiar with this, but if you're not, the five words, um, the five love languages are affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. I mean, they're, they're just so valuable. Get, get to know your spouse's love language or languages. You need to know that. In, in other words, how it is that they feel loved most, how it is that they most feel valued by you. It's an important uh, thing to be aware of. And, the, and again, there's some good discussion fodder for, for the date that you're all, as married couples, going to be going on in the next week or so. We'll talk about more of that later. There's actually, it's not the actual love language book, but there's one copy of Gary Chapman's uh, devotional book in line with the love languages. So again, if you feel you need that in your, in your marriage, you can, uh, three couples, three books available after church. Remember that, hey, have at her. <laughs> Woohoo! You're welcome. <laughs> there's a man who's preparing. Yeah, give him a hand. <laughs> Good. Way to go, Henry. Remember, marriage is a representation of the love God has for us, isn't it? Which is, which is a love that is completely unselfish, is completely unconditional. And so, as that becomes the template for how we cherish our spouse, our relationship will deepen and grow. doesn't mean it becomes problem-free, but it will deepen and grow. And, and then this deceitful idea that you, that you need to look outside your marriage for this sense, elusive sense of completeness won't even be a thought. Fourth word, run. Run. Proverbs 5 says, drink water from your own cistern from your own well, in verse 15 of Proverbs 5. And if you need to know what he's talking about, just read past those verses, and you'll believe me, by the time you get to verse 19, you'll know what the phrase, drink water from your own sister, Solomon, you got to love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of you are looking right now. Run. Run. Does it seem a little overdone to say run from temptation? To do so does not mean you're weak. As a matter of fact, it means you're strong enough to make the wise and sometimes difficult choice to get out of there when you know you should. Out of a desire to honor God and, and, and love and honor your spouse well. About temptation, one of our Eaglemont seasoned couples said, the I can handle this idea is a lie. I believe that completely. We don't have time here, but you can read the story of Joseph in Genesis 39. Run is exactly what Joseph did. He put distance between himself and that situation of temptation with Potiphar's wife. He did the wise and God-honoring thing. What was that? Ran. He didn't have to prove his spiritual strength to honor God. He ran. New Testament writer, the Apostle Paul, says the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in the middle of the New Testament, run from sexual sin. And he repeats it in his writing to young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. And many of you know, you don't have to be youthful necessarily to feel that tug. 
but he was speaking to a young man, a young spiritual leader, a young pastor. There's also a graphic description. This caught me years ago. And, you know, this romanticized idea that media and Hollywood give us of, of an affair. Huh. Solomon had a, a, a different, a, a, a God version, a graphic description in Proverbs 7, 22, of the person who goes down the path of adultery. It's as an ox goes to the slaughter. so romantic, hey? <laughs> Not so much. The ox goes to the slaughter. Most sinful or inappropriate relationships begin with an encounter where someone did not choose to run, and thus the cultivation of that wrong relationship began. Most often, just, you know, just being in those situations or in, as we approach life, most often being wisely proactive by setting boundaries ahead of time can keep us from situations that are potential landmines. And again, one of our seasoned Eaglemont couples was on to this about having uh, clear boundaries relating to travel and relating to meeting with someone of the opposite sex. Just great wisdom there. How does that look for you? Evaluate it. Evaluate it with your spouse in discussion. Here's something to think about as well. Does it make you uncomfortable when someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse is kind of all of a sudden over, overly complimentary to you, possibly attempting to move your direction, if you will? Or does that make you feel, you know, does that feel too good for you to run from that? Because after all, you starved for that kind of attention. Ah, it's about time. Would you run? Would you run from that situation? Have you made that choice now that you will run? Or do you think, hmm, ah, you think you'd hang around and try to, to manage it? Maybe without articulating it, but thinking, get the most out of this without crossing the line. Danger. The only managing of temptation that should happen is manage to get away from it as soon as possible, talking to God on your way to a trusted friend to share with them just what happened because you know that temptation only goes stronger and more enticing when it's kept hidden. I really hope you have a friend like that. You've got Jesus, but I hope you have a friend a human Christ follower friend that you can share like that with. Without making a commitment ahead of time to run from those situations, it could be too easy to be lured by this emotional attachment that's happening with someone who's not your spouse, and that leads nowhere good. It's a huge lie, a huge lie to think you'll feel more complete if you go down that path. There's so many reasons to run from those situations. 
Run to protect your heart. Run to protect your marriage. Run to protect your spouse's heart. To protect your children if you have them. Run to protect your character. Run to protect your valuable family history that you have together. Run to protect your integrity, whether you're a Christ follower or not, but especially if you are. Run to protect the other person. Run to protect the family of the other person. There are so many reasons to run. I'm sorry for this, but as many of you, I also see the heartbreak that this can be. It's not God's plan. Don't tell me God told me to go with that person after you made a marriage commitment. Don't. That's, I almost said a word that I maybe never said from the stage here before, but you know what I mean. Let me also briefly say that social media can be an easy way to derail your marriage. Someone frustrated in their marriage reconnects with someone from their past intentionally or not, and they start thinking that that going back to quote-unquote better times would be better. (laughs) Not so. Not so. Your spouse needs to have access to your social media, your passwords. What? Yeah? It's part of being one. Biblically. As a matter of fact, Carter in the Anatomy and the Fair book talks about that as well. Jesus, invest, cherish, run, finally, pray. Fifth word, pray. With your spouse. Yes, for your spouse on your own, of course, but pray with your spouse. I'm shocked as I learn. I try not to show it, but I'm shocked how many seasoned married couples, Christian married couples, do not pray together. Sad. It's actually, it's actually sad. And there it is again. Missed opportunities. Really. Prayer doesn't, prayer doesn't have to be a big production. Some of us think that. Because like, you know, when we get up on stage here and we pray in church, we got, you know, we got we to gotta let people know we know what we're talking about. So prayer is sometimes what it is. It's not oratory. It's not necessarily poetic. I mean, if you've got that gift, have at her. But No. It's, it's not about long or fancy oratory. It's about honestly expressing to God what's in your heart, what's on your mind, praying and asking God to strengthen you uh, to be uh, more gentle with your spouse and praying that in front of her with your arm around her. You talk about a spiritually bonding experience. That's it. Praying together does not have to be an intimidating thing. It's, it's simply, again, expressing to God what you hope for and, and how you want God to, to, to guide you in life and marriage and family. And how, how you want God, you can ex- express it, how you want God to just help you grow in your character or to, or to reveal His love. God, would you reveal your love to my spouse today in whatever ways you choose. Amen. Powerful prayer together. Maybe it's prayer that your spouse would sense the nearness and strength of God's loving presence through their day because you know they got a difficult meeting that they're going into. 20 seconds together at the door as you part ways for the day. Prayer. Or that wisdom would be clear to them for everything they will face in their work day or whatever it is. It's not complicated, but powerful. It is. Yoda. Get that? Jason, you, you. Thank you. Thanks. 
You, you could simply choose one of these sentences and express that as a brief t- prayer to God. With your, again, your arm around your spouse before you head out to work, there's, there's power in that. And, and again, if this is new territory for you, um, email me. Grab my email address off the, 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 the one sheet bulletin that we have and ask me for, I'll send you these examples that I just shared and then maybe a few others. of What can prayer look like? Oh, some of them, no, that's not for us. That, oh, that'll work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to express that. Genuine, yeah, Marla worded it. I'll make it my own, and it's coming from my heart, so it's meaningful, and God knows my heart, and my spouse is there. I'm going to pray. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to pray that one sentence with my spouse. Never done that before. I'll, I'll ask if, if she or he's okay with that. Oh, you guys, this excites me to think about us doing this together. We, we, we need to land this plane. Um, for those who are married, the next minute or two at the most, literally, is, is very important right now. I referred to it already, the date you were going to go on. Ah, the date can be in your kitchen, but I, I hesitate with that. I mean, if, you're, if, if you're, you're, all your kids are gone, it's quiet, and you've got candles to put on the table, and you, you, know, you can, whatever, pick up a, a key lime pie at Bake My Day. Thank you, Heather. Whew. Anyway, um, not promoting any business over another, just saying, but that was a good pie. Um, but, but to go somewhere, it doesn't have to be expensive or extravagant. Date, for the next minute. I want to ask married couples, whether you've been married 40 years or four days or you're, in, you're engaged, uh, I'm, I'm asking you to plan, it will take a moment, right now, select a day and a time as soon as possible for a purposeful date to talk about two things, at least two things. I want each of you, in preparation for this date, I want you to think and select one thing, think about and select one thing that first drew you to your spouse. Pick one. Each pick one to reminisce about. Allow all those good memories to resurface. You might have laughter. You might have tears. I don't know. Just, okay? That's one thing. And then, on this date, from the five one-word points in this message, I want you to select one. For starters, you might work your way through the others, but select one for this particular date that you're going to go on with your spouse. Hey, I want you to email me when you've done that. Seriously, do, please just don't have to tell me anything about it. Went on, went on the date, Marlo. Just, just, okay? I'm curious. But select one of the five words that I've just shared with you and identify at least one action step for follow-through. Okay? So, again, couples, this minute I'm giving you right now is... To pick a time when that discussion, those two things will happen. If your spouse isn't here, uh, text them and out of the blue, I love you, with a big heart, and whatever uh, overdone emojis you may use. Um, and you know what we should do is log how many reply back saying, what do you want? No, we won't do that. We won't do that. Uh, and if you're not married, I'm sorry, just allow us this. I'll play a Quick game of solitaire or something, okay? One minute.
just in light of, or for the purpose of being accountable, we set a date. And you can ask me after this. Given what our calendars are, I was hoping it would be the next week, but Saturday morning, Saturday morning breakfast date. There's an awesome little Portuguese cafe in Leduc that we're going to go to. Uh, Saturday morning, the 22nd of June. So, uh, yeah, you want... <laughs> If you do, you get in your own table, buddy. <laughs> nice one, Terry. Okay? So seriously, you know what? For the purposes of accountability as a church family, uh, I ask you to let me know within the next two, three weeks when your date happened. Or maybe it's a part of let's make sure this happens. I'm going to let Marlo know ahead of time. That's not, I'm not going to be harassing you. As a matter of fact... I may, oh, I have a hard time not replying, though. <laughs> you know that. Um, some of you. Let me pray for you, married couples. Those that right now, there's, you know, you've got a desire. Some of you that aren't married, you've got a desire to be married. And, and God, God cares so much about that. Today is a morning of investment for you in your future marriage. Right? Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be together today to just talk about such a, a vital, biblical thing called marriage that you designed and you care about. And, and we're all fallible. We all fail, all of us. Help us, God, to, to grow as Christ followers into the character of Jesus Christ, to be who you want us to be as a spouse in our relationships and in all of our relationships, if we're not married. Lord, I pray for every married couple here, engaged couple right now, that you would guide them through this process of building into their marriage, cultivating passion in their marriage, stirring up commitment to one another in their marriage. I pray you'd guide them. May these dates that have been now set be meaningful, transformational, and fun. In Jesus' name, amen.